Food is the language everyone speaks, but do we truly understand it? Between the conversations over organic food and GMOs, different diets taking the world by storm, and how what we eat actually impacts our environment, there's no shortage of things to learn about. Hi, I'm Karel Vega. And I'm Cheryl Kirschenbaum, and this is Serving Up Science. Energy is inherently related to every significant challenge of the 21st century, from water scarcity to inequality to national security to agriculture, the way we eat. Joining us today to talk about energy is Dr. Michael Weber, the Chief Science and Technology Officer at the Global Energy and Infrastructure Services Company, ENGIE. He's also the Josie Centennial Professor in Energy Resources at the University of Texas at Austin and recently authored the book Power Trip, The Story of Energy. Dr. Weber, welcome to Serving Up Science. And thank you so much. It's good to be on the show with you. When we think about agriculture, a lot of us don't realize it's also a conversation about energy. What are some of the obvious and not so obvious intersections of energy and food? That's a great question. I think the land and water parts of the food equation are a little more obvious because as we're driving through the country, we can see all the land dedicated to crops or livestock and that kind of thing. We can also see the water because we all learn early on that you need water to grow plants and we see the irrigation happening in these fields and farms and crops. The energy part, even though it's right in front of us, is a little more hidden. It's a little less obvious. And that is in the electricity for the pump that sprays the water on the field, or it's in the diesel for the tractors that works the fields or the other equipment, the combines and harvesters. It's the energy from natural gas that's used to make the fertilizers or the pesticides and the insecticides and the fungicides and other things that they spray in the crops to keep them more productive. And then it's the energy to dry the crops in silos, like propane for drying. And then it's the diesel in the trucks to move the crops or the food to the factories and the warehouses where it's processed and stored. And then it's the energy in the electricity for the refrigeration and the freezing for the food preservation. And then it might be the electric stovetop or the natural gas oven or whatever you're using to cook a home, the energy to prepare your food, chop it, wash it, clean it, cook it, boil it, whatever you're doing. And then the energy to take away the food waste to the landfill when we're done. So there's energy all up and down the supply chain. And it's there if you know to look for it, but it's not always real obvious. And how much energy do we use for food? I mean, I'm sure it's hard to calculate, but I know your group's been thinking about it. We think about it. I've got some smart students who've tackled the problem over the last decade or so. And in, across the nation, in a nation that's heavily industrialized, like the United States, about 10% or so of our energy consumption is in the food system. In less industrialized nations, it might be higher, by the way. So in the United States, 10% is still a pretty big number because we consume so much energy as a whole as a nation. So 10% of a big number is still a big number. And 1% is in the food itself. The food itself is a form of energy. And we need energy in our bodies just to keep ourselves functioning as humans, as living animals. And so of that 10%, 10% of that or 1% of national energy consumption is in the food. And then another 9% is to wrap it, process it, mill it, grind it, cook it, boil it, move it, refrigerate it, that kind of thing. So there's 1% in the food and another 9% in the food system. You've been involved in some of the most important research on just how much we waste along the way. So of that 10%, how much are we just throwing away and why is that so important? It's important because waste is always bad. We don't want to waste land or water or time or energy or food. We don't want to waste nutrition. But we can think of it just from the energy lens. If the food system is so energy intensive, 10% of our national energy in the food itself, then when we waste food, that means we're wasting energy. The food waste numbers vary, but anywhere from like 25 to 50% of our food is wasted, meaning we throw it away, we don't eat it. 
And that means 25 to 50% of the energy in the food system is also wasted. So that means 25 to 5% of national energy consumption is embedded in the edible food we throw away. That's really an incredible number. And it's important because if we care about conservation, that means things like turning off the lights when we leave a room. It means things like more efficient light bulbs, but also means things like reducing our food waste. That is a pathway to saving energy. I always like our guests to leave us with a reason why they're hopeful about our food and energy future. I am hopeful about our food and energy future for a few reasons. One is I really like the pathway that innovation is on. I see a lot of innovations and new technologies that can be helpful for us that improve our quality of a life while reducing our impacts of that high quality life. So that's really exciting. I'm also excited about millennials and post-millennials who seem more culturally attuned to the food and energy system. They think more about where they get their food from, what kind of food they're eating. They think more about where they're shopping, what kind of farmers markets or open air markets they're going to. That doesn't mean they're moving back to the farms from the cities, but I think they're more aware than Gen Xers or baby boomers are. If you look at the baby boomers and Gen Xers, it was a 50, 60 year trend of movement away from the farm and away from the food system and becoming less attached and less knowledgeable about our food and our agriculture. But I feel like that's reversing a little bit, that younger people today are a little more interested in understanding where the food comes from. And that means as a part of the conversation will be questions about the energy for that system and also the impacts. So I'm pretty hopeful about younger people who care more about this, as well as the innovation pathway we seem to be on. Well, then I'm going to be hopeful too. We've been speaking with Dr. Michael Weber, the Chief Science and Technology Officer at ENGIE and the Josie Centennial Professor in Energy Resources at the University of Texas at Austin. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Serving Up Science, the podcast about food, its origins, and effects on the planet. The series is produced in association with Food at MSU. I'm Cheryl Kirschenbaum, and this is WKAR.